Good morning, all. We have a, a lovely psalm to read this morning, and um, it's King David, ancient King David. And we know from all the readings we've done on his life that he had a wonderful a relationship with God. He had a, a much troubled relationship, I guess, in many ways, but he knew God. So as we read this morning, I would encourage you to hear David giving what he knows from his walk with God. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Have you ever had a moment where you simply forgot about God? You maybe were scared or angry, perhaps you were busy or worried. Your emotions and the circumstances you were in just overwhelmed you. And it wasn't until later that you realised, hang on, where was God in that moment? Or have you really messed things up with someone or, or said or done something you really regret? You feel you've failed God, and then you have the thought, I wonder what God thinks of me now. Or have you been dealing with physical or mental health challenges and feel really fragile? And you think, does God really love me? Does he care about me? Does he even know me? 
Today we're going to look at how this psalm walks us through these thoughts and feelings and how God can be with us in them. When we forget him, when we fail him, when we do feel really fragile and finally how we can focus, renew that focus on God and put him back at the centre of our lives and have joy, have hope for the future. Did you notice how the psalm starts and finishes? We're urged to praise the Lord. Throughout the psalms, there are two things that I've always been encouraged to to take away from them, whether we're going well or really struggling. And that is, talk to God about our circumstances and then have an attitude of praise towards him in those circumstances. What does it mean to praise God? The word used here has the sense of blessing or adoring God, getting on our knees and acknowledging him, being so thankful for who he is. If we wait for everything to be going well before we praise the Lord, we'll just stay stuck. We won't think to praise him. But we're reminded today we can still praise him because he truly is worthy. We can praise him for the cross and the resurrection. We can praise him because he is faithful. His spirit is with us. We can praise him because he really does love us. And verse 1 tells us praise comes from deep within us, our inmost being, our very soul. What's going on for us deep down results in what comes out in our words, our thoughts, our actions. And so praise is deeply personal. We're encouraged to let all of who we are respond in praise to God, our mind, our will, our emotions, no matter what. But the reality is we do get caught up in so many things in life, don't we? And we can get easily disappointed or angry or discouraged and simply don't feel like praising God. So let's look at how this psalm helps us. A reason to praise is linked to remembering. Here we see God and our forgetfulness. We're reminded in verse 2 there, don't forget all his benefits. The word used here to forget has the sense of don't neglect or overlook all the good things God does for us. But it also implies our forgetting means we are effectively walking away from God. And so this is really important. And did you notice the word all? There are so many practical and relevant benefits from putting our trust in Jesus. Look at verses 3 to 5. He forgives all your sins. God offers us deep healing forgiveness. He heals all your diseases. He can really heal our deep spiritual, emotional and physical needs. He redeems your life from the pit. Our lost and weary life is lifted up and we're given hope and a future. He crowns or he blesses you with good things, with love and with compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. That means God fills up our life with really beneficial things 
And the result is our youth is renewed like the eagles. As we get older, God provides us with the opportunity to experience the fullness and joy of life like we did in our youth. If you think about it, though, if God's word says, do not forget, that means he knows we will forget. We will forget the good things that he offers us. So can I encourage you, just take a moment right now, think about why do I forget the good things that God gives me? Just think, what, what comes to mind? There'll be lots of reasons why. I find it's so often linked to how I feel. We can get so influenced by the circumstances around us. And yet what we see out there is so often linked to what's going on inside us. A rabbi in the third century said, we do not see things as they are, we see things as we are. In what ways might past or current disappointments or hurts or expectations or just frustrations be obscuring the good things Jesus is doing in our lives right now? The reminders in the psalm of what God does for us should keep us close to him and, and really thankful for his goodness to us. And so let's pray daily for clarity, for a new expectancy where pain and grief may have actually blurred or even totally closed our eyes to what God is doing. And we need to see Jesus faithfully walking with us no matter what's going on in our lives. And to experience the things in these verses, all those things you can see there, we need to depend totally on God. We need to look carefully for what he's doing, especially if we don't feel anything good is happening. That's where good Christian friends can be such a great blessing because they can help us see these things. And we also need to remember God's ultimate power and blessing don't just randomly come down to us. They flow out of a deep and personal relationship with him. Where do you go to ask for help or to talk about something really personal? Don't we usually go either to family or a really close and trusted friend? Someone we know well but are aware they also know us well. Isn't it out of that close relationship that we get the opportunity to feel safe and to be able to be honest about what we need? Friends, do you know God personally like this? Do you have a sense he does know you well and deeply loves you? If you're in need, do you feel close enough to him to ask for help? Or does he seem distant? And the many blessings that flow from God are because of Jesus and because of that intimate relationship we can have with him. If you think about it, a loving parent will naturally want to be generous to their children, often before they ask for anything. And that simply grows and develops as the years go on. We'll see in verse 13, 
God describes himself as our loving father who delights in being generous to his children. And God's love surpasses the often shortcomings of many of our human fathers. We can trust him. Do we have that type of relationship with our God? And if we do, won't we then feel more safe and secure to go to him with our questions, our concerns and our needs? Because we'll have already experienced his kindness and generosity in the past. It's very hard to talk to God if we don't have that type of relationship with him. Jesus' death and resurrection has opened up the opportunity for the closest friendship we can ever have because our guilt, our sin, our brokenness has truly been dealt with. Jesus says he will take our burdens and our hurts for us. He will hold them. He will deal with them so we can be free from them. And we don't have to fear God or hope maybe he might listen to our deep hurts and struggles. As we walk humbly with the Lord each day, we can talk and share about real things. And our relationship with him will keep growing and we'll feel more and more safe and comfortable to tell him really personal things. I encourage you to reflect on the intimacy we can have with God and the blessings that flow from that. This is life. It's the life God intended for us to have with him. God wants us to have this amazing life. The Christian band Mercy Me has a line in a song that says, I want to live and not just be alive. Another band, Citizens, sing this. I'm never really living if I'm never fully known. Giving our lives to Jesus, living for him means we're deeply and truly known by him. Ken reminded us a week or two before Easter, being known by Jesus is the fundamental key to our lives and to our future. So we need to know Jesus and be known by him. The Gospel of John puts it like this. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I do want us, though, to think about the, the relationship Jesus has with us. See, he left the glory and the majesty of heaven, came down to us in our darkness, in our lostness. He walks with us. He sits with us. He offers us a compassionate ear and shows us genuine empathy. But his death and resurrection have hope opened up a power to heal and restore us as well. So that means Jesus not only listens to us, but he can also act to help us because of what he's done. And what does it look like to have Jesus this close? Well, if you think about it, what, what does it look like to show deep and genuine empathy to a friend who's struggling? I want to show a short animation that picks up the idea of, of empathy. Boys and girls, if you want to have a look at this as well, because there's going to be a bear, a fox and a goat. 
Watch what they do. See if you can tell mum or dad on the way home what you remember. Thanks, Ken. So what is empathy and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. That's not only a great example of how we can support and offer love and care to one another, but it can give us a little bit of a picture of how Jesus relates to us. You see, he climbs down into the dark hole of our sin with us. But even though he's a perfect and holy God, it doesn't stop him entering our experience. He's so faithful and kind and caring in that place. Jesus says to us today, I know you. I know the real you. I feel and understand your hurt. I've walked this earth too. And I love you, whether you've done something you're ashamed about, angry about, or joyful about. And when we experience his love in that deep and personal way, this is when we'll feel safe and can see his power at work most clearly. Let's not forget this. The cross means in our frailty and in our failure, Jesus has both dealt with it 
but also walks with us in our discomfort. And this is so evident in, in the next section on God and our failings because the reality is we will fall short of how God calls us to live. Basically, we will fail God. And failing, doesn't that immediately make us feel guilty and ashamed and defensive or we just isolate ourselves? Like Adam and Eve in the garden, we can just get so overwhelmed when we disobey God. How does God meet us in that place? Well, look at verses 6 and 8. He's just, he's fair, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's patient, thank goodness, he's merciful and shows us deep love. And then there's the great surprise here in verse 10. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And even more amazingly, he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. God's generosity is extraordinary. It's in stark contrast to how we so often behave. We can react impatiently, defensively. There can be little room for grace or consideration. And we're so good at holding on to hurt and jealousy. Yet God, who has been wronged in so many ways they can't even be counted, withholds his anger and his judgment. And we see this in Jesus. He does this for us willingly, but at such an incredible cost to himself. I have to say that's another thing I easily forget. The personal cost for our God to bring us life. Yet his character shows us his patience and compassion is genuine. It's not mere words on a page. But do we believe this? Do we experience it? Or do we take it for granted? And how is this even possible? Can we really safely give our burdens and our failings to God? Don't we have to hide them from God, try and make it up to him somehow? Do we have an image in our heads of God a bit like this? God's somewhere in the background and, and all we see is the hammer of his judgment. The Bible says no, because Jesus took every sin, every disobedience onto himself. And that means they're genuinely dealt with. And because he died as a result of that, the terrible consequence has been paid for. And then Jesus coming back to life means those sins have really been defeated and life is possible. But I want to encourage us to see the cross in as personal a way as possible. See, we can know in our heads Jesus died for our sins. Jesus defeated death. But that can often seem so general and even unrelated when we're going through a deep personal hardship. We often don't always feel forgiven. We don't always feel safe or even close in our relationship with Jesus. That's why we need that picture of empathy and compassion from him. He says, let me take all your burdens and I will set you free. And our burdens, our sin includes our brokenness, our hurts, the effects on us from how we were treated in the past the way we can be so hard on ourselves. 
our deep emotions, even our loneliness and our sadness. Please see, all of these are because of sin in the world. And Jesus comes alongside us, sees and understands our deep feelings and says they are dealt with. He carries them away from us and replaces them with acceptance and forgiveness. He's the one that gives us real life, a relationship with him that is not affected by our brokenness. That's how big the cross is. And he's patient. He will keep walking with us even as we're trying to apply these amazing truths. That's why verse 11 is so comforting. God's love is described as high as the heavens are above the earth. Now, for someone living in the ancient world, that was a statement of overwhelming magnitude. They could not imagine that distance. God's love is beyond our imagination. And if that wasn't enough to understand God's amazing character, we're given in verse 12 a picture of his amazing forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. No matter how far you travel east, you'll never get to a point where you reach west as long as you keep moving because you're still going east. And so in Christ, our sins and their consequences will never meet if we keep on walking with Jesus. He's taken them. They'll never return to us. The idea is when God forgives, he really forgives Our sins have really been removed from us as far as is possible to imagine. And in Christ, once our sins have been removed, we'll never be ultimately held accountable for them because Jesus was treated as accountable for them on the cross. And that means they they shouldn't ever come back to haunt us. That's what Jesus has achieved for us. Now, that is true freedom. It's a challenge. We walk and work with that each day. But doesn't it make us feel very safe to approach God despite our sin, despite the mess that we we can so often make of our lives? We just need to feel safe enough to be honest with Jesus about it. Say sorry and say, Lord, please keep walking with me. And please help me keep walking with you. It basically means even though our sin is great, God's love is greater. I love these lyrics from one of Citizen's songs. Lord, your power, your presence and your patience is greater than my worries, my questions, my failures. Your goodness, your glory, your grandness is greater than my future, my longings, my answers. Rejoice in him. Think of all that he's been holding. Tell him thank you and rejoice. And as great as God's forgiveness is, it still requires surely a response from us in terms of how will we relate to God? How will we relate to one another? What does that sort of look like? Well, if death has lost its grip on us, what do we do with our lives? Well, we heard earlier, we need to live, not just be alive and and just keep walking and breathing. 
In a sense, we're stumbling saints. We're still saints as long as we're in Christ. Another song I love by Citizens puts it like this. I don't always believe I'm even a saint, justified with new life. But I'm never the same when I remember that the gift of his grace is what builds my faith. I'm not who I was. Now I am who I am. A sinner saved, a stumbling saint. I'm not ever alone. He's alive in my soul. The spirit of God sanctifies me. You see, we experience God's power when sin is forgiven and we know we have life forever. But we also have Jesus with us each day by his spirit. We need to remember we can have that deep personal presence and comfort and the power to change. We can have our burdens taken by him. We can have a clear feeling of being understood but also of being accepted being truly known by Jesus. That will lead to us having value and joy, and that's where deep peace comes from. And we need to let that then flow out into how we gently and kindly relate to others. So in a sense, doesn't God's forgiveness drive us to relate to him and others in a better, gentler, compassionate and more loving way? And so a key response to God's forgiveness starts with, we've got to believe it. And we've got to live in the light of it. Let's think about God and our fragility. Look at verses 13 and 14. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As we thought about earlier, the psalm reflects on God as our Father and the security of his perfect love. And so even though our lives are fragile, what we've heard so far should assure us God is holding on tightly but gently to us. We are safe when we're with our God. He has compassion on us because he knows we're dust. He knows we're fragile. Isn't it comforting to know? God's aware that we're, we're pretty weak and yet he wants to care for us and help us. What Jesus did for us at Easter means we will always be God's children if we put our trust in him. And notice it's not just a general sense of God with us. Look at verses 17 and 18. His love, his grace, his commitment to us is real forever. That really keeps me going. Does it keep you going? It's such security. And then that will motivate us to seek to live God's way more and more. See the word remember again there. If we remember God's goodness and compassion, then we'll remember and want to live in a way that honours him. And so in light of all that's been said, the psalm comes to an end with a renewed call to put God at the centre because he is indeed our all-powerful king. It brings us back to where we started, being people who live lives that praise him. I love verse 22. That reminds us the whole of God's creation rejoices in him. It's good to look around at times. Notice the environment, God's creation. 
And as they are doing what God created them to do, they are praising God effectively. Or look at one another as we praise God and join in with them. Isn't that one of the great things about gathering as church together like this? Being encouraged as we, as we see others praising God. We might come in a little bit flat, but as others are praising God, it can lift us up and we can praise God too. We can be encouraged by one another. So let's refocus on God. Let's joyfully live for and love our amazing God. Keep remembering what Jesus has done for us and given us. Because friends, strength flows into us as praise flows out of us. We really will be replenished and strengthened by God's presence through our praise and worship. Well, what might praising God each day look like? Boys and girls, I want to finish with just a little example of a little girl who really wanted to praise God. She got up early one day. She was so excited. And she said, Lord, this is going to be a wonderful day. And she looked in the mirror and to a horror, she only had three hairs on her head. She thought for a while and decided, I'm going to braid my hair. And she thought a braid was really pretty. She had a wonderful day. The next day, she got up and said, Lord, this is going to be a wonderful day. She looked in the mirror and now she's only got two hairs. She looked at her hair for a moment, decided she'd part her hair down the middle, one on each side. It looked really trendy. And the Lord blessed her with another wonderful day. The next morning, she got up, the sun was shining and she thought, Lord, this is going to be a wonderful day. She looked in the mirror and she only had one hair left on her head. And so she decided to put her hair up in a ponytail. She had a wonderful day. The next day she woke up, jumped out of bed and said, the Lord has made this day and I'm going to rejoice. She went over to the mirror and to her surprise, she had no hairs on her head at all. She looked at herself for a moment and said, praise the Lord, because today I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do with my hair. And she had a wonderful day. May we always pour out our hurting hearts to God in prayer. And then, friends, let's be able to say each day, Lord, I'm still going to praise you. I have hope. I know you're faithful to help and you are my God, whether I understand everything or not, or whether I feel like I get an answer from you or not. Let's praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we want to genuinely say sorry this morning that we do forget you far too often. Thank you for reminding us you're always right there with us. When we mess up and wonder what you think of us, remind us you do love us and you have great compassion on us. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you do forgive us and give us this amazing life. And Lord, thank you we can have the certainty that we're safe forever with you. And so when we feel really fragile, Thank you that you know us deeply and care about us so much. Thank you we can have such a real and personal relationship with you through your spirit. Thank you again for all that Jesus has done and continues to do for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.